to know a name I highly treasure. Oh, how it thrills my spirit through and through. Oh, precious name beyond degree or measure. My heart is stirred whene'er I think of you. soul in sorrow. It makes life shadows and its clouds depart. Bring strength in weakness for today, tomorrow. That name brings healing to an aching heart. To uh, Genesis 41, please. Genesis 41. We're looking at the life of Joseph on uh, Sunday mornings, and uh, it's been some great reminders uh, for me. And Joseph's one of those characters, you know, that. Uh, we can all relate to certain things that he went through, and it's just one of these, these uh, kind of overviews of a life 
that we can look at and just say, well, you know, if God had a plan for Joseph and, 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 and God uh, continued to work that plan when it seemed like maybe not much was happening or where it seemed like things were kind of going south, you know, uh, God still had that plan, then uh, I can trust him he has a plan for me as well. And so it's just a, it's such a practical uh, portion of scripture and, and a character study when it comes to the life of, of, of Joseph. And uh, we're on uh, number seven now, uh, number seven of the series, and uh, probably looking at maybe uh, maybe two more after this. I wanna I wanna spend some time before before we finish on, on the series. I want to uh, look at uh, at how Joseph uh, pictures Jesus Christ in a, in a lot of ways, and uh, it's really interesting. And uh, so we'll uh, we'll probably we'll probably conclude with that when it, when it comes to finishing the the, the Joseph uh, series. But today. We want to give a title uh, to the message. We've kind of been, been uh, alliterating the titles uh, to a certain degree, but the title for today is, um, and this comes at, at, at long last when you, when you follow the saga of Joseph's life, it just seems like, you know, that dream that he had when he was, when he was a kid, that was just a dream. I mean, uh, it doesn't look like there's anything likely to ever come of that when it comes to Joseph really having this, this, uh, this great impact with his life and uh, being promoted to, to a place of influence. Uh, but uh, so the title today is going to, to disclose to you right off here that it did come, that time did come, because the promotion was bestowed. Uh, the promotion was bestowed and there was a putting away of bitterness. It's kind of a two-part uh, title there this morning. Promotion bestowed and a putting away of bitterness. We're in chapter uh, 41 here. And let's just ask that the Lord would, uh, would help us uh, this morning. Lord, I pray now as I look at your word that you'd open it up to us as only you can, Lord. And I pray that you'd help every person here knowing what their needs are. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so it says there at the beginning of chapter 41, and it came to pass. And well, that phrase says a lot. I mean, really, it's just saying something specifically here at this moment that happened. But uh, there was a lot coming to pass here. There was a lot coming to pass that when you look at the life of Joseph, you would think that would never come to pass. And those are the things that bring glory to God, you know. When, when you look at a person's life and you just say, you know, that, that, that could not have been orchestrated uh, of man. Uh, that plan would have only come about as that person walked with God and, and God unraveled that a little bit at a time, unfolded it. And so um, it came to pass. If you look at, at verse 14... It says, then, this is remarkable, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And so that would be, that would be like our president calling our house and specifically asking for us to help with the task. And probably even more so when you, when you think of where Joseph was at at this point and what his life looked like. And so to go from that favored child in his homeland to being sold as a slave, to being falsely accused, to being in prison and forgotten, to come to that point where it says there, and Pharaoh called Joseph. That's amazing. And that's remarkable. And, uh, and, and God did that. God did that. 
And so there was a time here, uh, as, as it came to pass, for Joseph to be promoted. Now that's, in a sense, it's in human terms, but really it, it's in, of God's doing as well. Um, God does have a way of promoting us when we faithfully serve him. Now, it might, it might not always be in man's definition. Like, my, man may never really notice it. I mean, here, it was, it was, it was really noticeable, right? In Joseph's life, that is, that's, that's remarkable to everybody. To say that he would end up being called by Pharaoh to be this task and ultimately being the second in command, most powerful nation in the world at that time, I mean, everybody would notice that's, that's a remarkable promotion. Um, but, you know, God, God has a way of promoting us as well. And... When we're, when we're humble to depend upon him and to trust him, in due time, he does that. In due time. And, you know, uh, God never seems to be early. Seldom early, I guess is the way they put it. Seldom early, never late, always on time. Always on time. But the thing of it is, you know, if we look at Joseph's life here, I mean, if I were to kind of visualize this almost like a movie, now watching this unfold for the first time, you know, I'd be rooting for Joseph, right? I'd be like, surely now's the time where something's going to happen so he can live happily ever after. I mean, certainly now's the time that, you know, he's gotten, and, and he went through that hard time with his family, his brothers, and he went down there, and, and now he's successful in Potiphar's house. Now that's going to be the time where it really flourishes. But now it's like, oh, it goes south again. And then it goes south again. And then, oh, and now it's going to be the time, you know, when the plot, the plot thickens and, and he's with the, the butler there and, and, and the butler has a chance to help him out. That's going to be the time. And uh, he's going to go and he's going to put in a word for him right off and he's going to be sprung loose and there's going to be the, 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 that great, you know, feel-good uh, point of the movie. But it doesn't happen there either. And uh, so along the way, you might be thinking, wow, you know, more injustice. You might be getting indignant about that. You might be thinking, you know, how much hardship can one person go through? And uh, to, to study you know, the life of Joseph, you, if you were reading it for the first time, you'd probably feel that way. You'd be like, wow, God's forgotten him. God obviously, you wouldn't say this out loud, but God doesn't seem to know what he's doing in relation to this guy. But the promotion, the promotion came at the perfect time in God's plan. It came at the perfect time. Uh, if, if it had been any sooner, you know, let's say that the butler just did put a word in for him and, and he was let out of prison, then he probably just would have gone back to his homeland, right? Or he would have sought some menial job there uh, where he was, or whatever the case may be, and never would have, it never would have ended up having the impact that it ultimately had. It had, to be, it had to be just at the right time in relation to what God was putting together as pieces all over the place. You know, it's kind of like that puzzle. You know, if you ever look, I don't, I don't do puzzles personally. They, I don't really have the attention span for them, to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> but my, my wife, she, she likes puzzles. And I noticed that she doesn't just work on one section and just work it, you know, just kind of like across there, you know, in a very uniform pattern. She has these little sections going on, right? And then the sections kind of come together and then, you know, ultimately puts together that, that, that picture, that, that, that wonderful picture, right? And so there was, there's, 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 there's these sections that only God can see. Only he can see, you know, what's going on in the life of Pharaoh there. And he's having these dreams, right, about the, and they're, they're really weird dreams. I mean, who has dreams about, you know, 
fat cows being eaten by skinny cows, you know? Uh, Pharaoh did, and uh, who has dreams about, you know, this really nice looking stock of corn with seven really good ears on there, and uh, I do love me some sweet corn when it's in season. Uh, the, the farmer around us, you know, he plants us there, and he says, hey, you can go out and pick these your own and give us a really good deal on it. And so I can picture, I can picture that really nice, uh, you know, who, who dreams about then this, this crummy looking, you know, dried out, sunburnt stock of, of corn eating the other one? You know, really weird dreams. Well, one thing, I can, hardly, I can hardly ever remember my dreams. Uh, they're really not that vivid to me after that. I have a few that are vivid to me, but, but nothing like that. But Pharaoh did have those dreams, and they had to be just at the right time for then, you know, him to share that dream with just the right person, because then there's another piece that God's putting together there. He's still using the butler, right? A couple of years later. I mean, for us to look at it, two years, you know, I can't even remember what happened the day before yesterday, but this guy has to be reminded of something that happened two years ago. Oh, yeah, a dream. I had a dream once, too. And so there, coming together, he has to hear uh, uh, and see that Pharaoh's struggling with his dream. And he has to be reminded that there was another guy who was a dreamer as well, right? All these dreamers coming together here. And uh, Pharaoh, uh, uh, Joseph, his brothers called him the dreamer. And so uh, then that, that whole culmination of those little pieces of the puzzle, those sections of the puzzle, now comes together and is joined together to form that picture that God had in mind the whole time. And can I tell you that's exactly the way it is for your life too? It really is. God has a unique plan for your life and he's working so many of the sections that you could never see at the time until they all come together. And when it's all of him, it makes just that picture that he wanted, that perfect picture that he had in mind. Now, the, the sections don't look perfect at times, right? The sections we look at, it's like, what is that? That's supposed to look like what's on that box there? <laughs> I don't really see it yet, right? The sections don't look like that, but God has a way. And even, even things, you know, that, that seem like they were, they were really bad at the time, God can turn those to good. And God can continue to put those things back in place. And I know things maybe that we've, uh, we've tried, and I use this analogy, you know, I think another part of the series is we try to take those puzzle pieces and we think, this, this, I want this to fit right here, you know? And you ever try to do that with the puzzles? You try to take a piece and you're convinced it's supposed to go in that spot, but it doesn't quite fit? And you're like, no, I'm going to cram it in there anyways. And what does it do? Well, it almost fits, but it kind of like bends the piece, you know, and you kind of mangle anything. Yeah, that, that didn't work, and it's supposed to go somewhere else. Then when you find the place where it does go, it's like, oh, man. Yeah, that's better. That fits right there. That fits. And so God is doing that work. And, uh, you know, the timing of the promotion uh, was so important. And, and, and God had that in mind the whole time. And, uh, you know, in our minds, there's an inconvenience to God's timing a lot of times. Right? Isn't that true? There's an inconvenience because you're thinking if God would just do this right now, this would be a lot better. And I'm pretty sure that this is the way it should be, but God isn't doing it right now. What's going on? And it, and it feels inconvenient to us. And we kind of chafe against it. And God has to remind us that, that look, you know, I, I'm going to be on time on this thing. I'm seldom early, never late, always on time. Trust me. And you'll think back and think, you know, there was other times that I, that I did trust God. I saw him come through and I was sure happy that I did. And it was much better than what I had in mind. But I forget about those things. 
And I get to a new situation, and I'm right back to square one again, right? I'm like, man, you know, I should have learned that lesson those times when I did trust God and he came through, and, uh, and now I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm not trusting him again. Again, I'm fretting again. And I'm trying to take those puzzle pieces and put them into my own spot uh, again. And uh, so the inconvenience of God's timing, but then the implications of God's timing. The implications of God's timing is far beyond what we can imagine. Because when we jump ahead of God's timing, when we fabricate things of our own outside of God's timing, the implications of that can, can be devastating. Then on the other hand, when we let God things, bring things about according to his plan and his timing, the implications of that can be huge for, for, for good, for right. And uh, so many times, you know, I'm, I was thinking, look, if I, if I hadn't have followed God to that college out there north of Green Bay, Wisconsin, who even, who even knew that existed? North of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Isn't that called like the Yukon? There's actually parts of... Uh, Wisconsin, they're north of Green Bay, they're still in Wisconsin. Out in the middle of the woods, there's a little college, you know, that I ended up going to there after I'd already studied in college for a while. And uh, I, I met a girl from, from Pennsylvania who happened to be out there that same year. And that, and that place, I mean, that little place that who would choose to go there to begin with. And, you know, now, I mean, we've been married for, for 27 years and, uh, you know, uh, eight, eight boys. And uh, like I was telling Brother Rich today, Part of the happily married club, but you know, if that, if that had, there's so many things that if you're not walking with God, that and you're not following the Lord, and those things, the, the implications can be huge, right? It can be so different, and uh, we can't beat ourselves up over you know, you know, overthinking every decision, but just just that simplification. Be faithful in the in, in walking with the Lord, and the Lord will lead you in that. The Lord will lead you in that. And he'll put all those pieces together. And the implications of God's timing is always perfect. The truth of the promotion. We talked about the timing of the promotion. Look at verses 38 to 39. I kind of gave you an overview of the, of the, uh, of, uh, the, of the different parts of the story there already. Uh, Pharaoh has a dream. And I told you the dreams were. He had no idea what they meant. But he had some sense of the fact that these dreams meant something. He was troubled by them. And so come to find out, the dreams meant that there was a famine coming upon the land. Right? And there was going to be there was going to be uh, famine. There was going to be plenty, uh, and, uh, and and so the years of plenty were going to be eaten up by those years of, of famine. And Joseph was the one that, that was called to, to help interpret that dream. And so look at verses thirty-eight to thirty-nine. It says, "And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such an one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is?" Now, I can tell you, about all the testimonies you could think of a person for a Christian, that would be probably the best right there. To say, that individual, the Spirit of God, is evidently in their life. They had the testimony of not just living for themselves, but they're, they, they, they're guided by the Spirit of God. They're a Spirit-led Christian. A Spirit-led Christian. And so the truth of the promotion was this, that it wasn't just based on, on happenstance. It wasn't just based upon, you know, it was Joseph's lucky day, <laughs> right? It was based upon the fact that he had certain character qualities that had been honed by God that he was faithful in, and these are what God used ultimately to promote him for, for, his, for his use. And uh, the, the truth of the promotion really was that it was God's promotion to him, not just Pharaoh's. That was the truth. Of See, the truth extends far beyond what we can see so many times. 
We're seeing what we're seeing, right? Because we walk primarily by sight. And so we're seeing what we're seeing, and we're thinking, I have to do these things in order to navigate what I'm seeing here. I have to pull these strings, you know, I have to get this leverage, I have to posture myself in this way, I have to, and, and we're, always, we're always thinking that we have to control this situation in order to come out the way we want it to come out. But it seemed like Joseph was liberated from that mindset. I mean, it is, it's a freeing thing when you just think, hey, look, there's no pressure on me. I'm going to do right with what's in God's eyes. I'm going to try to be in favor with God and men. And just let him, let him put it together for me. And uh, when he does, then it's a beautiful thing. And you have the freedom and the good conscience of knowing it was of him. And that was the truth of, of, of his promotion. If you look at verse 39, it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Now that is the, that's a great testimony there. Because the testimony is that, yes, Joseph had character and he was a man of integrity. He was a man of wisdom and discretion. But yet through all that, it was evident, obviously, so that even a, a, a godless leader could see it. He looked at Joseph and said, you know, there was something about Joseph's testimony and, and, and the way Joseph gave, gave credit to God, which he did throughout the interpretations of the dreams. He said, God is going to do this. That, that Pharaoh looked at him and said, hey, you know, here is a young man, here is a man, for as much as God has showed thee all of this. God's working through this guy. And, uh, and God, you know, there's something special about that guy there, from God, and I want him on my team. I want him in my cabinet. You know, I, I want to uh, work together uh, with him. That's my kind of teammate right there. And so the world might not always appreciate what we have to offer as, as Christians, but you know, a lot of times they will. A lot of times they will. Uh, if you're a, a hard worker and you're honest and you have integrity, the world will appreciate it. You know why Pharaoh ultimately appreciated uh, uh, Joseph? Because he thought, bottom line, this guy's going to help us out economically here. <laughs> we have some bad years coming up. And we have some years of plenty. I need somebody to be in charge of all this. And I think this is the type of guy, this, is the type of, uh, this guy has the type of character, right? That'll, that'll, that'll help us navigate all this. Because those things matter. Integrity and, and character and the true heart to, to, to serve in these things, they matter. And even, even uh, um, you know, worldly leaders can appreciate that uh, uh, here. So uh, we see there that the promotion comes about. Now, we've, we've, we've seen a lot of, of Joseph's life here, and uh, we've looked at different situations in, in which we've said a number of times, a number of times already we've said, you know, Joseph had to not get bitter in these situations. He had to choose to keep his eyes on the Lord. You know, when, 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 when he was abused by his own brothers, when he was abused by his own brothers, he had, he had to refuse to become bitter there. And we saw that. He must have, right? He must have. He must have and look, you know, Nobody's saying that, that it wouldn't be hard to go through that. Nobody's saying that what his brothers did was right. Nobody's, nobody's making light of the fact that people go through really hard things. Uh, we live in a day of much abuse. Much abuse. Because evil men are waxing worse and worse, as the scriptures say. Because as the, as, as, you know, we live in evil days in, in which there's, there's, there's much uh, 
aggression for sin in all of its devices. You know, people use other people. That's what they do. They see what they want, and if somebody around them can be used for their purposes, they use them for their purposes. And that's what his brothers did with Joseph. He was an irritation to them. As a matter of convenience and using it for their own purposes, they abused him. And nobody's making light of the fact that they did that. But at the same time, Joseph had to, he had to choose each one of these times. Was he going to let that identify him and defeat him, or was he going to keep going with his eyes on God? Even though he was treated unfairly. And we saw that again in Potiphar's house. It was very unfair, very unjust. And we, we, we spent some time on that. And he was forgotten after he made somebody a favor. And Joseph had already refused to become bitter. But let's pick it up here in, uh, um, in, in chapter 41. Because after he, he, did, he did help, uh, he became a part of Pharaoh's cabinet. Some things happened uh, to him here as far as his, his, uh, his, his life goes. And let's pick it up in verse 51. Chapter 41. This is, this, is, uh, this is really interesting. He gets married, by the way, uh, uh, up, uh, uh, before that, I think it's in verse 45, somewhere on the line. He gets married. And then it says in verse 51, and, uh, or verse 50, And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Azanath, the daughter of uh, um, Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. So that was his wife, Asenath. And Joseph called the name of his firstborn, look at this, Manasseh. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. Very soon later, he had another child, Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now think about these two names. Joseph had already refused to become bitter, but he starts to have a family here. And it's almost like as he's having a fa family, and you know, you can identify with this if you have children, right? When you start having children, you start thinking in different ways than you thought before, normally, usually. You're thinking, man, you know, the implications of who I am now not, not just affect me, but they affect my children now. What do I have to purpose now, even as I look at my children, to be true about my family and where this is all headed? And it's almost like when, when, he, when his first child was born, he was like, you know, um, I've made these choices all on the way not to be a bitter, angry person, not to be resentful, not to be identified by the injustices in my life. But, you know, now that I've had this first child, I want to have a momentous occasion here. I want to have a momentous occasion where I do everything I can to not let bitterness be a part of my life. And so what does he name his first child? He names his first child Manasseh. What did Manasseh mean? Manasseh meant to forget. It was a time of forgetting. He says, what I want this to, to mean here at this point, I'm going to have this child, and I want to uh, uh, look at the fact God has given me a family here. He's blessing me, and something that could have haunted me all along the way. I don't want it to bite me now at all times. I'm going to look at Manasseh. I'm going to say, Lord... In Manasseh, I want to see a constant reminder that I am to forget all my toil, all my problems, and th those things that happen in my father's house. Those things that, that, that are hurtful that happen to me in my father's house. You see, having a Manasseh was a decision to forget. 
a decision to forget. You say, how do you do that? Well, you have to choose not to dwell on it. You have to choose not to replay those things. The battle is in your mind. Hey, look, if there's something you were hurt by and you, you're, you're, you're bitter about, or the potential of being better, you know how you're going to feed that? By replaying it all the time. You know, studies in psychology, and you know, put so much merit on them, but even people who go on to, to commit crimes and they study their life in the past, a lot of them, what happened was they started to dwell on something and replay it all the time, over and over again. And they became consumed by it, and then they acted it out in all kinds of different crazy ways. A lot of times, you know, the way that the, where they're, where, where, uh, and this is so applicable here with Joseph and his family, you know where it was played out? It, where, it's, where it's played out so many times in families. Behind hidden doors that maybe nobody else even knows about. We have angry father, you have angry parents, you have bitter parents, you have a bitter family dynamic, and there's so much destruction that comes out of that. It is passed on from generation to generation. And Joseph said, I don't want that to characterize my family. In fact, when I look at my first boy here, I want to see, I'm forgetting all that. I'm letting all that go. I'm not going to replay all those things. I'm not going to let that now characterize the way that I treat my son. And uh, a choosing not to dwell on it and repaying it. It also means a choosing not to recount it in negative terms. So look, you, know, you get together with your friends, you're talking with your friends, and what happens inevitably? You go to those negative scenarios. You talk about how you've been wrong. You talk about the injustices of life. You just recount these things all the time. You think about them, and you recount them. You post about it. You, 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 uh, you obsess over it. You let it define all your ins and outs of life. And what happens? You're harboring bitterness when you do that. You know, having that time where you said, I'm going to have this Manasseh moment right here. I'm not literally having a child named Manasseh, but I'm having a time of forgetting. But I said, by God's grace, I'm not going to replay that anymore. I'm not going to recount that anymore. And it means choosing to replace it with constructive thoughts and actions. Again, I'm not trying to be, you know, use just a, a, a psychology here. But there's a biblical principle of you take that which is uh, counterproductive and you replace it with something biblical and truthful and productive. You know how, how Joseph said, did that? He looked for opportunities to invest in the lives of others. He did that with the prisoners, paid attention to them. He now wanted to serve the country that he was living in. He didn't want it to be defined by those things, just live and defeat by them. He wanted to replace those things with something that was going to be productive to give back in a way that he wasn't given to to begin with. So in other words, instead of becoming part of the problem, becoming part of the, the solution. And so um, he had Manasseh. He had Manasseh, a decision to forget. And then, on the heels of having Manasseh, he had a boy, what? Named Ephraim. And Ephraim means to be fruitful. To forget in order to be fruitful. A decision to forget and a desire to be fruitful. Now, this is going to be the choice right here. This is bottom line. This is, a, this is Bible truth. You'll see this principle in other places, such as uh, in, in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the choice right here. It means you will have to choose between harboring bitter roots and producing good fruit. You can't have both. Unless you have the Manasseh, you will not have the Ephraim. If you hold on to bitter roots and, and, and water those with bitter water, with Mara, you will not have good fruit. You have to choose between the two. 
you say, I don't want to let those things go. I do, I do not want to let my past go. I can't let it go. Then don't, don't plan on being fruitful. That's going to take all your energy. It's going to take all your resources just to continue to, 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 to uphold those, the, that bitterness. To nurture that bitterness. You either nurture towards good fruit or you nurture towards bitterness. And that's just the way it is. You see, because Joseph had to have Manasseh in order to have Ephraim. He had to decide. He had to decide not to be bitter because of his desire to be fruitful. And uh, it means that we will have to choose to be fruitful sometimes in a seemingly barren land. And if you look at the verse there again, it says, uh, in the name of the second child, he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful. What's it say? In the land of my affliction. You see that there? It doesn't say, he took away all my afflictions and then I was fruitful. He said, in the very land of my affliction, in Egypt, in the land of my affliction, the land that represented the very things I had gone through, in that very land, I was going to forget the things that held me back so I could move forward, even in that land, to be fruitful. That's by God's grace. That can only be by God's grace right there. And so many times we say, no, I'm still in my affliction, so there's no way I can ever, you know, and, and we dwell on that, and we continue to be angry, and continue to be frustrated, where God says, hey, I can, I'm not going to promise to change all the circumstances, but I can sure give you victory in the midst of that, and give you fruit in the midst of that. And really, it's in that midst many times that we have the most impact. Because look, if we get into a perfect little scenario where everything's cheerio, who needs us to be different? Right? I mean, if everything's fine already, then. But when it's a messy situation, and you're walking in liberty in your relationship with God, that's where you're going to bring transformational power. And that's where you're going to be, bring unique fruit. And, uh, and so, the life of Joseph is, is, uh, is so helpful to us. And, um, you know, ultimately, uh, Joseph refused to be bitter because he realized God had a plan. Let's look at uh, chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. We'll end with this here. Uh, Genesis 45, 1 through 8. Because a little later down the road, the boys are going to come back. <laughs> and he hadn't seen the boys for a long time. And, uh, and he was able to have this Manasseh and just kind of forget about all that. He still remembered them because he recognized them. But he chose not to, to live in, in anger and bitterness towards them. And maybe this was somewhat easy as long as you didn't have to see him, right? I'm not going to recount what my brothers did to me. And I'm not going to dwell on that as long as I have to see him. Okay? And so I'm just going to stay away from them. So I, now, there is a certain point where, you know, sometimes maybe we just need to get away from people uh, that are what they call toxic to us. And if someone's abusive and they're toxic, you know, they probably, you know, there is. But at times, God's going to say, uh, not so easy. <laughs> You're going to have to face them again. And even in facing them, I can give you the victory. If you trust me. I know this is going to be hard. I know this is going to be, oh man, it's going to be. But just trust me. Me and you right now. See it as being me and you. I know they're there too, but most of all, it's me and you. Visualize me and you, Joseph. Your brothers are back. They're the ones that hurt you. 
They're probably going to try to hurt you again. But it's me and you, Joseph. We're going to do this together. We're going to do it together. And look at verse 45. It says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them, his brothers, that stood by him. And he cried, cause uh, um, cause every man to go out from me, he said. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. Like, what is going on in there? And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. (laughs) And so they should have been. (laughs) And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. He hadn't forgotten that. He hadn't forgotten it. But So as far as recall goes, but he hadn't dwelled on it either. Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall be uh, uh, neither be uh, uh, earing nor, nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a, a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me thither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. You see that there? You see that perspective? Yeah, you guys wronged me. You sold me to Egypt. This is hard right now. It's even, I'm even having a little bit, it's very emotional. But I can see that the whole reason why I went through this is because God had a personal plan for me. And part of that plan was for me to be a testimony for God even to you who have wronged me. Wow. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you.